In our sermon series on the essentials of the Christian faith, uh, the last two weeks we've looked at Jesus and how this incredible fully God and fully man, fully satisfied, maybe better stated, fully accomplished both God's justice and God's love by taking on himself the punishment for our sin. And so with the debt of sin paid by Jesus' death on the cross, Jesus restores the close relationship between people and our loving God. And as I suggested to you last week, Jesus opens the door to restoring our relationships with one another, beginning in some ways with restoring our relationship with ourself. He restores us to who we're intended to be, who we were made to be in the image of God. And so following Palm Sunday and Easter and what Jesus did, the question I thought I'd follow up this week is, now what? Now what? Living as we do this side of Easter, this side of the cross, By Jesus' death, new life with God is ours, as evidenced by Jesus' resurrection and ascension. New life with God is ours to live, beginning today. And so, now what? Yes, George, amen. What does, what does our new life with God look like? You know, to be sure, It involves love, loving God and loving others. Without question, that's what living our new life with God looks like. But even before we get to love, there's another important piece, and actually it's another important person, a person who sadly is often neglected in the church, especially here in the West. A person who is easily the most controversial and misunderstood person in the church today, and that's too bad, because this person is essential to living out our new life with God. And many of you, I'm sure, have guessed that essential person, my friends, is someone the Hebrew language of the Old Testament calls the Spirit of God and someone the Greek language of the New Testament calls the Holy Spirit. And before we can answer the question of what living out our new life with God looks like, we need to come face-to-face, heart-to-heart with the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. I can't think of anything for anyone more significant to our living out our life with God than with God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the point at which the Trinity becomes deeply personal to a believer. The Holy Spirit is active moment by moment in the life of believer, even in the believer as he lives within us. And so before we can answer the question of of what living our new life with God looks like, literally with God in us, 
We need to come to grips with that God who is in us, God who is in us. We need to embrace the, the Holy Spirit resident within us. And that's a real challenge for many of us. I know it's a challenge for me. And it's not meant to be a real challenge. It's not meant to be difficult. But it so often is a challenge for us. We make it hard. One reason, I think, that the Holy Spirit is a real challenge for many of us to to fully embrace, one reason is reason or rationalism. Say, what do I mean by that? Beginning in the 18th and 19th centuries especially, human reason was set up more and more as the supreme standard. And with reason as the supreme standard, it became easier and easier to come to the conclusion that, well, only things that I can fully understand only things that I can fully rationalize out, only things I can fully understand are safe or true or credible enough to put my trust in. Or to put it another way, it's, it's very easy for us to kind of avoid and, and very difficult for us to accept and embrace things that are mysterious to us and that we don't feel like we fully understand. And that makes embracing the Holy Spirit a real challenge, I think. Because when we're asked to do that, as we must, we are asked, make no mistake about it, we're asked to embrace someone who is rather mysterious. God the Holy Spirit is more mysterious for us, more difficult for us to understand, really, than than either God the Father or God the Son. We don't like to embrace persons or things we don't fully understand. That, That takes more faith than reason. And our tendency is to prefer sometimes to to, to, to live by reason, what we know, rather than by faith. For you see, unlike any other doctrine, without exception, unlike other doctrines, there are no systematic discussions in Scripture regarding the Holy Spirit. Virtually the only extended treatment, even, is in Jesus' teaching in his farewell discourse in John 14 through 16. Any other time the Holy Spirit is mentioned, it's always in connection with some other event or some other issue or something that's going on. And so compared to God the Father and Jesus, even the the imagery we have for the Holy Spirit is far more mysterious. You know, God, God the Father is understood fairly well because almost everyone is familiar with at least the figure of Father. We understand the image of Father And Jesus is relatively easier to understand than the Holy Spirit because, you know, Jesus at least appeared in human form. People met him, talked to him, hung out with him, got to know him, and then reported what they observed. But compared to God the Father and Jesus of Nazareth, 
The Holy Spirit is intangible. He's more intangible, more difficult to visualize. The biblical images that we have for the Holy Spirit are things like breath or wind or fire and smoke. Complicating matters for for many of us is is the unfortunate terminology of the King James Version and other older English translations that refer to the Holy Spirit as the Holy Ghost. Which brings to mind, you know, the image of something inside a white sheet. Or maybe something spooky or scary or creepy that haunts us. None of which is at all like the Holy Spirit. The baggage that comes along with that English word ghost makes it a terrible translation, in my opinion, for Holy Spirit. And so when faced with the With the question of living our new lives with God, we're asked to embrace a Holy Spirit that to us is mysterious, and that's a challenge. And you know, we work hard. We work hard, really, if you're like me, you work hard to, you know, to to get around embracing the Holy Spirit specifically, maybe. It's like, well, I don't really understand the Holy Spirit. You know, there's power there somehow, but I don't know. What's with all these gifts and the Holy Spirit? And sometimes if we tend to shy away from not understanding it fully or his mysteriousness, you know, we, we, we turn instead to, to, to God the Father and God the Son, right? Because we, we feel we, we better understand those two persons of the Trinity, perhaps, than, uh, than the Holy Spirit, right? And then we sort of almost end up putting the Holy Spirit as somehow, you know, lagging behind God the Father and God the Son in importance or significance or or in, in realness, or in being real. Here's a quick self-test. You don't need to raise your hands or anything, but, but how many of us, how many of us, if we could take a look at all the prayers that we've ever prayed, what percentage of them do you think, of all the prayers you have ever prayed, would you guess begin with, Dear Holy Spirit, And then compare that percentage to your prayers that begin with dear God or dear Father in heaven or dear Jesus. My my hunch is that most of us, at least, the percentage of prayers beginning dear Holy Spirit would lag way behind those addressed to or even including God the Father and Jesus. Now hear me, not that there's anything wrong with praying to the Father or to Jesus, okay? Okay. Right? It's great, awesome to pray to God the Father and to Jesus. Please keep doing that. But if it's true that we tend to favor God and Jesus in addressing our prayers, if that's true, does that reveal a certain discomfort or reluctance or lack of understanding about the Holy Spirit that, that we shy away from turning to him in prayer with the same frequency as God the Father or Jesus, the other two members of the Trinity. I mean, you might think, given the expanded role of the Holy Spirit since Pentecost in Acts 2 and continuing through today, you might think that the majority of our prayers might be directed to God the Holy Spirit, wouldn't you? I mean, after all, he is fully God together with the Father and the Son, so, so why don't we pray more, communicate more directly to God the Holy Spirit? 
another even quicker self-test. Please repeat after me if you will. Praise God. Praise the Father. Praise the Son. Praise Jesus. And now this one. Praise the Holy Spirit. Does that one feel different? Is it as common? Is it less common? If so, why? Is it because we've just not comfortable embracing that most mysterious person of the Trinity because we just don't want to go where we don't understand as, 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 as well as we'd like to. Our allegiance to, to human reason and understanding somehow gets in the way. Our need to understand our security and our own understanding of things I think can often get in the way of our fully embracing the Holy Spirit. We think we think we'd rather live by our own understanding rather than by faith in something. It feels safer to us. Or in the case of the Holy Spirit, faith in someone. That's one challenge, it seems to me, in embracing the Holy Spirit, our need to understand more fully things that we embrace. Second reason, I think, it's that it's often difficult for us to embrace the Holy Spirit is it's our cultural devotion to the individual over community and relationships. We live in a culture that emphasizes the individual. And men in the room today, my brothers, we men tend to at least struggle with this challenge, this barrier more than women. And it shouldn't surprise us because when God spoke with Adam and Eve after the fall and sin entered into the world, God told Adam, he said, Adam, because of this sin tendency in yours that has now blown the doors off, because of sin, Adam, your tendency, your tendency is going to be <clears throat> to try and do it alone. By the sweat of your brow, you will try to live and work, God send, said to Adam. In other words, son, you're going to struggle in life because your tendency is going to continue to try and do it on your own effort, to try to do it alone without me and even without Eve. Compare, contrast that to pictures that we get of the ultimate male, the ultimate man in our culture. He's so often depicted as this rugged individual, a lone cowboy or wrangler, doesn't need no one or nothing. He's impressive because he can do it all on his own, a man's man. Is that man a biblical man? A godly man? Speaking of cowboys, Jill and I were listening on the radio the other day and someone did a survey of major turn-offs to women. Do you want to hear them? <laughs> Guys in particular, listen up. And in the top three, I can't remember the exact order, but in the top three of major turn-offs to women... Now, don't come after me. These are statistics. 
Top three major turnoffs to women. Pierced ears, beards, and then one that really surprised both of us. Cowboy boots. Can you believe that? I know, some of you are still, you can't believe, some of you are sitting there with your pierced ears, you're going, I can't believe that. Chuck's sitting there with his big beard. I just saw him. He asked Missy, you love my beard, don't you, sweetie? <laughs> you got boots, too? You got... Did you ever pierce those? No? You did when you were younger. It's grown in, right? No. And she's still with you. Wow, what a woman. Good job, Missy. I mean, I, you know, Jill and I were talking about those statistics, and you know, both of us could kind of guess why. I mean, we could hazard a guess at least of why pierced ears or beards made that survey. Right? But cowboy boots, we, we, we were real hard-pressed with that one. What's, what's up with that? Here's a thought. I don't know if it's right. They didn't ask this question of why, but I, I, I wonder. I wonder if, if maybe the cowboy boots, maybe it somehow speaks at least to the women surveyed, you know, of that, of that same, you know, cowboy spit-in-your-face independence that, you know, maybe women really don't like so much after all. And then Jill told me something that really alarmed me. She told me she really likes guys in cowboy boots. <laughs> and the reason this alarmed me is because I don't have cowboy boots. So now I'm fixing to get me some. <laughs> yeah. And then in between services, you know, in between services, I got this long discussion. You know, do I get the points or do I get the rounded or do I get the... Our culture tends to idealize the individual rather than community. Have it your way. One of the all-time most successful and famous Burger King slogans. It's all about me. Still a popular brand. We love individual choice. Community or relationships, well, that's messy. Something to tolerate at best, often in our culture. And that makes embracing the Holy Spirit within us a real challenge, I think. Not only because of our own need to be in intimate relationship with the God who dwells within us, that's challenging enough to that, but it's a real challenge as well because the power of the Holy Spirit, His indwelling presence is given primarily at least to be expressed in community in our relationships with other people. So follow this with me. If we tend to shy away from community and relationship and worship the individual, and the Holy Spirit is closely connected to community, we, we end up shying away from embracing the Holy Spirit. Even in, and especially in, in some ways, what the Bible calls the more spectacular gifts or expressions of the Holy Spirit. The emphasis in Scripture is 
constantly on community and relationships with others rather than on the individual. The primary purpose of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that he gives to each one of us is to build unity in the body. And so, for those with the gift of speaking in tongues, for example, Paul writes, there needs to be someone present that can interpret what's being said. Otherwise, in Paul's words, people might think you're crazy. It's very practical advice from Paul. And why does he say it? He says it with others on his mind and heart. Paul's concern in, a, in expressing that particular gift, or really any of them, is its impact on others. Incidentally, one of those areas of controversy surrounding the, the more spectacular gifts of the Spirit, things like speaking in tongues or faith healings or exorcisms or prophecy. One of the controversies is, is whether or not those gifts are still alive and well and in play yet today. Many, including me, believe that they are. Some do not. Those who do not are hard-pressed to find a chapter or verse in the Bible supporting their view that those gifts are no longer given and they were just there for first-century purposes. To me, that opinion seems more motivated by their observation that those gifts seem less evident today than in the first century. And so they wonder, well, what happened? But I wonder if the reason that they seem less evident today, or if they are, in fact, less evident today, I wonder if the reason is not because God doesn't continue to gift some people with these spectacular gifts, but instead... Is it because of our increasing emphasis on the individual rather than community and relationships with others? Maybe the gifts of the Spirit, maybe the gifts of the Holy Spirit, many of them end up dying on the vine, unrealized, unused, because God is waiting to use them for their primary purpose in community for the purpose of unity and community. And so our own cultural emphasis on the individual gets in the way of them being expressed as God intends to build community. Maybe a greater community context is needed for more of the Holy Spirit's power to be realized. And I'll tell you what, that would help explain at least why in cultures unlike ours here in the West, why in many Eastern cultures, for example, where community is emphasized over the individual, there are many more reports of the spectacular gifts of the Spirit happening because, perhaps, many more instances of community are happening and community is emphasized. We simply can't do justice in the short time that we have this morning to completely cover the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about him some more when we talk about salvation. As I've said, he's alive and well in every part of that process of salvation. So I chose to emphasize and introduce the topic, at least, of the Holy Spirit with those two barriers that I think often get in the way of our more experiencing and embracing the Holy Spirit in our daily lives, our, uh, our need to know before we can trust. Ask Thomas, the apostle. And second, our, our bias in favor of the individual rather than community. You can ask Adam and Eve about that. 
All of which leads me to the following application this morning, and, and, and then I'll let you go. Do you ever find yourself hungering for a deeper experience of God? An experience of the Holy Spirit? Do you ever want to get to know the Holy Spirit more? You've accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior of your life. Excellent. You praise and worship God the Father and turn to Him in prayer. Fantastic. But when your heart and mind turns toward the Holy Spirit, you don't even really picture anything, and it just seems kind of stagnant or, or, or dead in comparison, and you're hungry for more. Boy, our culture, especially our kids, and it's causing even in some instances a division in the church, their hunger for an experience of God. And I wonder if such a time as this, when the youth in that generation, they want an experience of God. They want living theology. They want doctrine that means something in real everyday life. Those kids that God gives us that just love to experience, whether it's games or verses or throwing balls, they want experience. And many are turning away from the church. And you ask them, and in so many words, like, wow, we just start experiencing God there. And I wonder if it's because they haven't and we haven't ourselves been able to translate and show and tell them about what an experience of God, a huge part of it is all about in the experience of the Holy Spirit. Are you hungry for an experience, a deeper experience of God, the Holy Spirit? Well, maybe, just maybe, maybe the best thing you can do if you're after a deeper experience of God is to go and find a group of believers to get to know and to love more. You say, why might that lead to a deeper experience of God? Because the Holy Spirit, as I've said, loves community. He's designed for expression and experience in community for community to strengthen and to build up and to expand God's community. Maybe if we haven't had as deep an experience of God as we'd like, it's because we don't have that close Christian community. Maybe not even with our husbands or wives or families. And if we're hungry for a deeper, realer experience Experience of God, maybe we got to find that in Christian community where that experience of the Holy Spirit is just waiting to help and can't help but happen. This past week, I just got back yesterday from our youth and young adult leadership retreat, so I'm a bit sleep deprived, forgive me. And two huge blessings for me coming out of that retreat. Oh, there we are. Go ahead, wave to us. Two huge blessings. The first huge blessing that came to me out of the, uh, of the retreat is, <sighs> my goodness, are we blessed here at West Bowles to have that group of young people who love God, love the Word, love each other, and are passionate about sacrificing their time and self for our teens and young adults. We are so blessed. The... These kids, I still feel like I'm their age, but I'm, I'm recognizing now that I'm older. 
The older I get, you know, the older the people behind me say, yeah, you're just a kid. You know, these young men and women blew me away. We've got junior high and senior high church youth program tonight. Kids, if you haven't gone and you're thinking about go. Parents, encourage your kids to go. I couldn't be more excited at the thought of the kids, my kids and the kids in this church, spending time getting to know and experiencing God through these people. We are so blessed. Incidentally, that's not really what, um, you, know, they got, you know, they got their pose for the picture face on there. I think that there. Now there's another picture. <laughs> this is before, you know, we told them that we were going to take their picture. Now my, my deepest concern is Matthew Beatty standing behind me. I think maybe Matthew and I have some issues that need to be ironed out. Uh, Thrown one too many PowerPoint things. Hey, Matthew, you're back there today, aren't you? Yeah, blink the screen. No, better not do that. We've had, it might not come back on again, right? Second thing that I took away from the retreat this weekend. I left our retreat struck once again at the power of the Holy Spirit in community. As we sang songs together, the Holy Spirit just welled up and stood up and lifted up in each of us in community. As we talked and got to know each other, as we laughed and we cried together. Oh, the power of the Holy Spirit just springs to life. His power is so evident when we share our own and hear others' joys and sorrows and encouragements and prayers. Here he is again, I thought, in community. Do you hunger for a deeper experience of God, the Holy Spirit, Find a group of Christians, get to know them, and let them get to know you. We have plenty to choose from around here. Sunday mornings, this is the one time all week that we all get together. Really, it's about an experience of God the Holy Spirit. God the Father and God the Son too, but God the Holy Spirit is what we get as the picture, the reality of who it is that comes in. Say hi to the Holy Spirit. He's indwelling us right now, here. Praise the Holy Spirit, amen? Amen. Our men's and women's ministry, men, I told you it's one of the most difficult areas for us men. We've got things going on almost every day of the week. Early mornings for those of you who have to get to work. Come and sit, have a coffee, have a donut. Tuesday, Thursday mornings, I think it is, are two options. See Paul Wiggs, who's been married 40 years. <laughs> Did something right, Paul. <laughs> you know, find a group of men. Come connect with them. You'll be blown away by what God is doing through the men's ministries here. You've got an opportunity to go to a women's lunch. I think we're approaching 300. Jan, is that right? My goodness. There's a purple sheet in the lobby, two-sided sheet, all sorts of opportunities for you to belong and be part of a community. And given the Holy Spirit's emphasis on community, all sorts of opportunities for you to have a deeper experience of God, the Holy Spirit. 
If you're hungry for the Holy Spirit, find a group of believers, find a church, find a community, spend time there in community, participate, open up, give of yourself, humble yourself, share your experience with others, allow others in humility, your own humility, allow others to, to, to speak into you, to your life. You know, I'll make a promise. I'll make you a promise. And I'm confident of it because I've got the backing of God on this thing. You deepen your relationship. You do the hard work. You take the steps of deepening your relationship with others in Christ, and you will deepen your experience of God the Holy Spirit. I bet you. The Holy Spirit doesn't need a community to work. He'll make do, and he does with individuals. Praise God. But I believe with all my heart that that's not what he desires most to do, to work with individuals, given the Acts 2 extraordinary event that goes from one chosen people of God to all y'all who believe in his name. i got to believe, I believe with all my heart that God desires most to work his power and gifts of the Spirit through community. What is living new lives in Christ all about? What's it like? Well, look around you. It's about community. And look around you even closer. It's about a deeper experience of the Holy Spirit living within community that in turn enables us to truly love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our might, and love others as ourselves. Hungry for the Holy Spirit? Find a community of believers to get to know more. And I'll bet you'll experience God the Holy Spirit more in those relationships. Let's pray. God, the Holy Spirit, we come to you in prayer this morning directly. And we praise you and thank you for living and residing in us, the people of God. Help us, Holy Spirit, to know you more, to experience you more, to embrace you more. Help us to trust in what, the, what God the Father promised, what God the Son fulfilled. And on that basis, Holy Spirit, help us to trust and to step out and embrace you, even if we find you a little mysterious and a little requiring more faith than what we're comfortable with. Help us along because we want to know you more. Father, we love you. I just pray this in Jesus' name through the power of the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen. amen. Before our benediction this morning, let me invite you to our Mother's Day service next week. We're emphasizing not only mothers, but even broader than that. We're emphasizing and celebrating together with mothers the incredible blessing and gift that God gives us in woman. And he made woman and called her woman. Jesus. Jesus understands women very well. Did you know? Say, how do we know that Jesus understands women very well? Well, someone sent me a list this week and three reasons he gave me why Jesus, we know Jesus understands women very well. Are you ready? We know Jesus understands women very well because one, 
He fed a crowd at a moment's notice when there was virtually no food. <laughs> Two, he kept trying to get a message across to a bunch of men who just didn't get it. <laughs> and three, even when he was dead, he had to get up again because there was still work to do. <laughs> so we know. We, Praise God for men, for women. Yeah. Join us next week. Would you, play, would you please stand to receive God's blessing this morning? Let me move to a place where if you look at me, you look at fellow brothers and sisters of your community, our community. It's the night before Jesus died. It's just before Gethsemane. He's explaining to his disciples that they're not going to see him too much longer. And I picture Jesus with some excitement telling the disciples this and telling us today too. Jesus said to them and says to us, I'll go ask the Father. I'll ask him. And he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because they neither see him or know him. But you know him. You know him. For he is with you and he will be in you. Come on, disciples. Let's go. In Jesus' name, all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Have a great week. We'll see you next week for Mother's Day. God bless you all. <laughs>